God's not satisfied with the little stuff we're doing to satisfy and pacify all of these problems we're putting up with and this sickness and illness and disease and premature death we're allowing to run rampant throughout the church. I don't believe that's God's desire at all. Thank you for joining Brothers of the Word, because, brother, you need the Word. We are certainly delighted and excited to have you join us today. We want to welcome all of you who may be joining us by television or those of you joining us at airjesus.com. And today we're doing part four, final part of this four-part series that we've been studying entitled Living Like Jesus, Living Like Jesus. I sincerely believe that it's the will of God, the desire of God for us to become more and more like Jesus each and every day. In all of our actions, in all of our response to circumstances, in all of our dealing with people, if we could just learn to treat people the way Jesus would treat them and deal with circumstances the way that Jesus would deal with them. I believe that's the ultimate desire of God is for us to get a little better every day. You can't get it all at once. So this is not some spontaneous combustion where you just wake up like Jesus. This is a process. It's a growing process. It's a maturing process. Uh, fruit never ripens Overnight, you know, normally it has to, it has to mature. It has to ripen on the vine and on the tree. And, and so that's the way the character of Christ is developed in our lives. It's a, it's a maturing process that takes time. It takes time. We make mistakes, but thank God we can get a little better and a little better each and every day. And so a little bit here and a little bit there. And before you know it, by the end of your life, you're looking just like Jesus. Amen. It's a lifelong process. It really is. Those of you who think you have arrived, I have news for you. You have not arrived. You need a lot of work. The Bible says that uh, he who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, he's saying God's going to have to work on you till Jesus comes back. <laughs> So he started on us, but we thank God that he's working. Turn your name and say, thank God he is working on me. Thank God, you know, we may not be everything we want to be, but thank God we're not what we used to be. We're better, we're better, so we're growing. It's a process of, of growth. It's a process of learning to yield to the Spirit of God. It's a process of... Um, Becoming acquainted, wanting to please God so much and growing in our spiritual nature that we we end up living like Jesus. And I mean living like Jesus with the right motive. I recall watching a movie some time ago and it was it was the Johnson family vacation with Cedric the Entertainer. How many of you all saw that? Anybody see that? <laughs> and in one of the most humorous scenes in the movie, he's driving his family on vacation and as they're driving on the highway, they pass this beautiful young lady who's hitchhiking. And so he swirls the car over to the side to stop to pick her up. 
And his wife doesn't appreciate that. And so she gives him a stern look, you know, to let him know that she's objecting to him picking up this beautiful young lady. And uh, he said to the entertainer, looked back at his wife and he said, what would Jesus do? <laughs> and so we want to we want to act like Jesus, but we want to have the right motive of heart. We want to have the right motive of heart. When we uh, act like Jesus. But you know, Jesus is, uh, he is our example. He is our standard. He is our model for living. And um, he, he, is, he is the image that we are to be conformed into, that God's chiseling away at and hammering and uh, some of you, he has a jackhammer working on you, but he's, this is the, this is the image that, that God's formed until Christ is formed in us, until we are, uh, conformed, molded, or shaped into his image. And I believe that we, uh, will eventually bear a resemblance of Christ. The Bible says when we see him, when he returns, when we see him, we shall be like him. We'll be just like him. And I believe it's through this process of maturing, of growing, allowing God to work on us, uh, making right choices, making good decisions, and growing to the place where Christ is formed in us. So maturing or growing and developing in the things of God. Let's read uh, some scriptures. Uh, open your Bible, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 11 through 13. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 11 through 13. And let's read together in unison. When you get there, say amen. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 11 through 13. Let's read. And he gave some apostles and some prophets some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Notice this in verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of of the Son of God, watch this, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let me read it in, a, in another translation that makes it clear. It says, uh, verse 13 says, This will continue until we are mature, just as Christ is. And we will be completely like him. And I had never really realized that, that that's a whole part of the reason why God gave the fivefold ministry. He's called pastors and evangelists and apostles and prophets and teachers. He's called the fivefold ministry for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and so that we would grow to the full stature and the measure of Christ. In other words, till we become just like Christ Jesus. So it's the reason that we, we uh, it's, it's one of the main reasons we come to church. By your coming to church, you should be coming more and more like Christ Jesus. There are some people that have been going to church for 50 years 
and uh, no more like Christ than when they started. <laughs> so somewhere they've missed it, but God's holding his whole intention, calling the fivefold minister, it's a part of him working on us. It's a part of him. So he said, I'll have an apostle to come by. He'll work on you. Then I'll have a prophet. He'll come by and work on you. And then I'll plan a pastor. He'll work on you. And I'll have an evangelist to come through. He'll work on you. I'll have a teacher. He'll work on you. Notice God, he's using the fivefold gift, the ministry gift, all working on us until we're perfected, until we're growing into the stature of the fullness of Christ, until we're becoming more like him. So that's a, that's one of the main reasons you come to church. You go to church to so that I can become more like Christ Jesus, so that I can look more like him, I can act more like him. It's a powerful, why does God want us to live this way? Because it's the best way to live. God knows the best way to live on this earth, and he, he has already demonstrated it and given us an example. His way works. Turn to your neighbor and say, His way works. It's a wonderful, it's the best way to live. And he's already demonstrated us and want us. He's not trying to uh, straightjacket us or hurt us or harm us. He's trying to, he wants us to enjoy the fullness of life, and you really enjoy it in abundance when you live the way that he has demonstrated it to us. And so it's, it's the best way to live. It's a wonderful way to live. I've shared this many times, but, but uh, Smith Wigglesworth, who was probably the most um, powerful uh, man since the apostle, since the early apostle, Smith Wigglesworth, uh, he walked, he probably lived a hundred years ago or so, but he walked in such power and anointing. There are accounts that he raised over 20 people from the dead. Um, he just had just miraculous, wonderful miracles that operated in his ministry. Unlike no one else, he had a boldness and he had, he had something that was, you know, the closest that we had seen to Jesus, the miracle power working since the early apostles. So we hadn't seen that, uh, like we have in the measure in the life of Smith Wigglesworth. And so he walked in such a powerful, uh, anointing of God. That was a woman in one of his services. And she had a uh, some type of cancerous tumor in the stomach. He brought her up on the platform, and he would be so bold he just hit haul off and hit her in the stomach. And uh, um, a gentleman in the audience stood up and said, "Hey, don't you hit a woman like that?" Smith Wigglesworth said, "Look, you handle your business and let me handle mine." He said, "I'm not hitting that woman. I'm hitting the devil that was inflicting this disease upon this woman." And he literally knocked the disease out the woman. That was another instance where a little baby had a, a disease and they came and sat the baby on the platform. Smith Wigglesworth, under the power of God, he kicked the baby off the platform. When the baby landed, the baby was completely well. And so he just had an unusual demonstration. <laughs> I know it's unusual, but it worked. You couldn't argue with it. It worked. He was, I mean, he had an unusual, there, there are uh, some wonderful accounts. <laughs> That's a wonderful account. One day he was riding the trolley in San Francisco. He was on the back of the trolley train running through the city. And as he was riding the back, he looked out in the street and there was a man who was selling newspapers, had a bag and he was selling newspapers. And the man suddenly went into convulsions and started having a seizure. Smith Wigglesworth jumped off the trolley, ran over there, laid hands on the man, got him healed, put his bag of papers back in his hand and ran back and caught the trolley. <laughs> So, I mean, he just had, he had some powerful, powerful, I mean, he was, he was powerful. That was one 
one man that was possessed with the devil, demonically possessed, and he came in the Smith Wigglesworth's presence, and he he said he said I know who you are. You're the you're the you're the you're the anointed of the Most High. And he took off running from this is the devil in the man had this man running from Smith Wigglesworth. Smith Wigglesworth chased him, tackled him, cast the devil out of him, and went on back in and finished the service. So he he just had powerful, I mean, just powerful, dramatic um, accounts of miracle working power. His own wife died. They brought her home back to the house. And uh, Smith Wigglesworth went in there. He rebuked death. He rebuked death off his wife, called his wife back into her body. She sat up in the bed and talked to him for four hours. And she says, Smith, my work is finished. And the Lord has called me on. She went on back. And so he, he walked in this. Um, one, one time he walked into a funeral home and there was a man who was dead and they brought Smith in. Smith grabbed the man out of the coffin and threw him up against the wall. The man slid down. Smith grabbed him again, slung him up against the wall. Man slid down. He did that three, three times. On the fourth time, the man started coughing, came back to life. And so he just walked in. A, he walked, wouldn't it be wonderful to walk in this kind of power, this kind of anointing? Well, maybe if we start living like Jesus, maybe we can start doing some of the works I asked God about. I said, Lord, I said, maybe if we start living and acting a little bit more like Jesus, maybe some of this power be restored into your church. Maybe we're living so far away from Jesus, that's why we can't do any of the acts of Jesus. I wouldn't be surprised if you really get a hold of this and start living like Jesus. I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing more manifestation of the power of God coming back into the church where we start operating like Jesus. Same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead has raised your mortal body. He now lives in you. The Bible talks about specifically how God desires for us to know this power, the same power that raised him from the dead now operates in us. We could just only get a hold of, of what God still wants to do through his people. So maybe if we started living like Jesus, maybe we could uh, start healing the sick and raising the dead and, and stop making excuses. I'm tired of making pitiful excuses. I'm tired of feeling helpless, tired of People calling me to the hospital bedside. Now all I can do is just pray a bless me prayer and the person dies and go on. And you know, I'm tired of all I can do when somebody's in the hospital is send them some flowers. Send them a basket of fruit. I'm tired of it. I'm ready to start living like Jesus. I'm ready to lay hands on the sick and see, and see you know, them restore their life, see them well. I believe this, is, this isn't me. This is the heart of God desiring this to come back on his church and on his people. I believe, that, I believe it's the will of God with all my heart. I don't believe he's, uh, God's not satisfied with the little, little stuff we're doing to satisfy and pacify all of these problems we're putting up with and this sickness and illness and disease and premature death we're allowing to run rampant throughout the church. I don't believe that's God's desire at all. At all. I got a call the other day. Somebody's mother was on the deathbed and the, the mother was on her deathbed, had less than, you know, just 24 hours or so to live. And the man came in my office and handed me the phone. This woman has less than 24 hours. And I felt so inadequate. I felt so helpless. I felt so powerless. I, I felt I didn't know the, to, whether to stand in the authority of Christ and command her to live 
Or to simply say, well, God bless your soul, you know, and to make some excuse for why we couldn't pray and have her death terminated and have her to come back to life in the fullness and in the fullness and vigor of life. I wrestle with this and I'm sure Pastor Nathaniel wrestles with it. I was called in one day to a man. He was hooked up to all his machines, his whole family in the room. And they, they, they said, Pastor, we've called Jim because the doctors have done all they can do. He has 24 hours to live. We want you to pray. And I'm sitting here caught between two worlds. Do I pray his transition into the next world or do I pray? And this man's not even 50 years old. Do I pray the power of God comes out and heal him? And I'm talking about real life issues here. We're pressed and, uh, uh, well, you know, it's, it's something in me. I, I have a hard time. It's something in me. I still, uh, go in there acting like Jesus, even though I haven't had the results I've wanted yet, even though people have still died and still gone on. There's something in me that still say, act like Jesus. Yeah. Still believe for a miracle. Still pray for the power of God. You just keep doing it. Just believe it. Act on his word. Say his name. Walk in his authority. Walk in his anointing. If we grasp this and have the guts and the courage to continue to do it, one day, that day is going to come. That day is going to come. That day is going to come. And it's, it's sort of... I don't know, it's sort of discouraging after you lose so many and you don't see any effective results. And that starts affecting your faith. It starts affecting your prayer. And so now you don't go in trying to raise anybody up because you know the last person you pray for died. You lose your confidence and boldness. And, and then you start compromising your prayer. And say, so, oh, Lord, if it's your will, if it's your will, when all along you know it's the will of God. You know sickness and premature death is not his will. But just maybe, as I was contemplating, I said, just maybe if we start living like Jesus, just maybe, maybe the power will be restored to the church. Just maybe, just maybe, why would God give the power to somebody who doesn't have his character? Why would God give his power to somebody he couldn't trust? Just maybe. And so God's working on us to become more and more like Jesus, more and more like him. He uses... Uh, Primarily, primarily God uses four or five ways to help us to grow and to develop and to become like Jesus. Um, number one, he uses his word. He uses his word. The word is, the, the Bible compares the word of God to a mirror. And as we look into the mirror, the Bible says we are changed into his image. We're changed into the image. So the image of the life of God that's here in his word, the more and more we look in there, the more and more we're changed to reflect the image. And so this is a mirror that reflects God's image back into our lives. So the life of God here should eventually show up here. The life of God that's here should eventually show up here. Uh, so it's, it's a mirror. It's a mirror that we look in, and the more we look into it, the more we're changed and transformed, and we start, we start becoming more and more like the image in his word. So, number one, I, I think God uses his word. He uses his word to transform us, to conform us into the image of Christ. Apart from his word, you're not spending any time in his word. You're not going to have much Christ-likeness worth anything 
um, is, is very difficult. It is very difficult to live like Jesus and you haven't spent any time in his word. When you haven't spent any time in his word, your flesh is really in charge. The Bible has so much to say about that. Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Jesus said, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. And he's talking about abiding. That's not, that's not gonna, in other words, he's saying that's not going to be any life flowing in you if you're not f- flowing in him. If you, you have to be abiding in the vine. I'm the vine and you're the branches, Jesus said. And so the life in that vine flows out into the branches, but you have to abide. You have to be abiding. You have to be abiding. And so it starts, it starts with this word. Jesus actually said, he says, um, if you continue in my word, then you shall be my disciples indeed. If you continue, abide, if you continue, abide in my word, then you shall be my disciples indeed. There are a host of other scriptures I could go on just, just talking about the word, but I, I don't have time to do that. But uh, another way he works on our uh, character and becoming like Christ is, um, is through prayer. Through prayer, we're honest with ourselves, we're honest with God, and, and he's able to work on us through his spirit. Through his spirit, the more of his word you have in you and the more time you're spending in prayer, the more um, his spirit is able to operate and lead us and guide us. Uh, So those are three. Those are the top three. He also uses circumstances. He uses circumstances. And actually what God would normally do is he'll use the opposite circumstance of what he's trying to develop in you. So if if he's trying to develop patience in you, he'll stick you in the 285 traffic. And rush out. <laughs> and so he uses opposite circumstances. If he's trying to develop love in you, he'll stick you around somebody who's unlovely. Uh, and the fifth uh, way that he, he develops us is through people, through people, through people, dealing with people, dealing with people will cause the character of Christ. I want you to go to airjesus.com. You can listen to this message, message number 7412 in its entirety. You can also email it to a friend absolutely free of charge. And we thank you so much for joining us today at Brothers of the Word because, brother, you need the Word. (laughs) Praise God. I pray that Something was shared in this little four-part series about living, living like Jesus that will help us. Uh, when, I, when, I shared the, when I shared a lot of the life of Smith Wigglesworth, I, I was intending to go ahead and share what I was really trying to get to. I wanted to share how, his, how he was won into the kingdom of God. He was won into the kingdom of God by his wife. Smith Wigglesworth, was a, he was a mean uh, he was an unbeliever. He was just an irate person, didn't know God. And, but he had a wife who was a believer. And God used his wife simply to live like Jesus. And her living like Jesus won Smith to the Lord. And that's how he was born into the kingdom of God. Because of his wife, she simply won him to Christ by the way that she lived. Not by telling him about Jesus, not by preaching to him, not by inviting him to church. She simply loved him in spite of his unlovable condition. 
when he was nasty and mean and reckless, she displayed the character of Christ. And she did it to such a point, he one day just fell on his knees and he said, he said, I must meet the God that would have you to live this way when I have been so mean, so critical, and so ugly, so devastating to you. And for you to treat me with kindness and love and respect, he said, I want to meet the God. I want to meet the God that has caused you to live this way. And that's how Smith Wigglesworth came into the kingdom of God because his wife made a decision to live like Jesus to live like Jesus. We'll win more people to the Lord simply by living like Jesus. Living like Jesus. Praise God. You are listening to airjesus.com and the online word.com. This was the fourth and final message in the Living Like Jesus series by C. Elijah Brauner. This message is number 7412. That's 7412. The first message in this series is number 7409. To listen to the entire series, click series on airjesus.com or the online word.com. Listen to airjesus.com and the online word.com often and keep your spirit charged up.